it's great to be able to, to speak to you this morning. Apologies if you're here from Wexford. Uh, maybe you thought you were going to hear a new voice, um, somebody different. It's, it's me again. Well, let's, let's turn uh, to God's words, to Acts, um, Acts of the Apostles, um, chapter 4. Uh, we're going to look at a passage together um, towards the, the end of Acts, Acts 4. Acts 4, verse 23. And let me just pray for us as we turn to God's word. Let's, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for your word. Thank you that it is powerful and effective. Um, thank you that it speaks into our hearts and our minds. Um, and Father, pray that you would help us now um, as we turn our attention to it. Um, I pray that you would speak to us, uh, challenge us, Father, encourage us. Um, let us know your heart. And for our lives and spur us on to follow you more closely. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Acts chapter 4, I'm going to read uh, from verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. I wonder, um, I wonder what, what shakes you. I wonder what shakes you. Shakes your confidence, if anything does. Maybe shakes your, your sense of, of well-being. Or maybe even your faith shakes you as a person. You know, we, we live in times, I think, when sometimes it feels like everything is shaking. You think of trade wars possibly beginning, Brexit, um, international terrorism, the weather even. It seems every time you turn on the news, there's a natural disaster going on somewhere. There's a lot to to make us feel insecure and to shake us. And that's just in in the wider world. Um, 
what about in your, in your own internal world, your personal circumstances? Are you taking a battering or a shaking there? Whether it's sickness or bereavement or just people's expectations of you, pressures in work, maybe exams coming up in a few months. What, what shakes you? I don't know if it's comforting to know that it's, it's always been this way. It's always been so. There have always been things that, that threaten people's peace. And in, in, in this passage that, that we've just read, we're, we're kind of given a window in on a moment in the life of the early church. Um, and what we see as, as we kind of pull back the curtain and look at this moment in the early church is we see the disciples and the believers are shaken. They're shaken. They're scared. I don't know if you know the context. Um, back in chapter 3 of Acts, uh, Peter and John have, have healed the, the lame beggar. Um, causes a, a huge commotion. People come running. Uh, they speak to the people. And then in chapter 4, the authorities get involved. They're arrested. They spend the night in jail. Uh, they're brought before the Sanhedrin, the religious authorities. Peter makes that really bold declaration in verse 12 of chapter 4. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And it says in verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that they had been with Jesus. But then they, they order them not to speak in Jesus' name. Look, look at verse uh, 18 of chapter 4. They called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. We don't know what the authorities threatened them with. It just says, after further threats, they let them go. We don't know what those threats were, but, but we can kind of imagine them, can't we? You don't stop speaking about Jesus we're going to take away your homes. We're going to take away your possessions. You're going to lose your freedom. You're going to lose your very lives. I imagine those were some of the threats. And, and what I want us to look at this morning together is, is just how the disciples respond to that. As Luke has recorded it for us here in Acts. How, how do they respond to these threats from the authorities? And I think there's three, three ways in which they respond. First of all, they prayed for boldness. Secondly, they focused on the object of their faith. And then thirdly, they became a community that was unshakable. So first of all, they prayed for boldness. We know the disciples were shaken. We know that they were scared because we're told in verse 24, um, after their release, uh, they called together uh, the they went back to their own people, called them together, and verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And if you follow their prayer down, they actually only make one request in their prayer. And they come to their request in verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. 
They pray for boldness. And generally, you don't pray for boldness in your ministry unless you're feeling just a little bit intimidated and a little bit scared. It's it's very interesting to note what they don't pray for. They don't pray for their circumstances. They they don't pray, and to be honest, I think I would have been praying, um, but they don't pray, you know, God, please don't let them do the things they say they're going to do. They don't pray, Lord, you've heard what they've said, you, you know what they've done in the past, please protect those whom we love. Please spare their lives. Please protect us and our, and, our, and our homes and our families. No, they don't pray that at all. I think I would have. They simply pray, Lord, you've heard their threats. Now give us boldness. Don't, don't let their threats stop us from doing what we're meant to be doing, is what they're praying. We're meant to be speaking the word with boldness. Lord, don't let the threat stop us from doing that. And, you know, I think the reason why they they don't pray about their circumstances and they simply pray for boldness is that they understood that, that the real problem was not the threats of the authorities. See, they understood that, you know, it, it wasn't... It wasn't, if, if it wasn't the authorities threatening their security, then something else would be threatening their security. See, we live in a fallen, broken world. Our world is broken and fractured. And something is always going to be threatening our peace. Someone said, you know, we can pray... Lord, change my circumstances. Stop my world from shaking. Or we can pray, Lord, make me unshakable. Make me unshakable. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we we can't pray, you know, God, please don't let me lose my job. Please don't, uh, don't let this happen. Let me get through these exams. Please heal me. Of course we can. And often he answers those prayers. But we need more than that, don't we? Because we can't avoid being shaken by this world. And so the best prayer is the prayer that they prayed. Lord, give us boldness to just go on doing what you want us to do. Despite the setbacks, despite what we're facing. Lord, make me unshakable. And so they prayed for boldness. And God answered them. God answered them really quite definitively and quite quickly, didn't he? In verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. I don't know ordinarily if you were feeling a bit nervous whether that would be a great answer to prayer. Um, if our building started shaking and we were praying for, for boldness. Um, but it did. And it was, it was a tangible real manifestation of the presence of God. It was as if God was saying, you know, if this, if this is a show of power, if this is a standoff in terms of power, then there's power on your side too, is what he was saying. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
he filled them afresh with the Holy Spirit. His Spirit that comes along and reminds us of the truths. That we are His. That He is our Father. That nothing in this world can rob us of relationship with Him. That we stand before Him justified, righteous, affirmed, secure in Jesus. Unshakable. And then they spoke the word of God boldly. So their prayer was answered immediately and dramatically. That's their first response. They pray for boldness. But then secondly, they, they focused on the object of their faith. They didn't, they didn't simply just pray for boldness. They also recognized that, that not everything is shakable. Not everything is shakable. Look, look at verse uh, 24. As they come together and they raise their voices in prayer, they say, Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In effect, they're saying, Sovereign Lord, You are unshakable. You are the Creator. You are so much greater and bigger and more powerful than anything in Your creation. And then they quote from Psalm 2. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And this is right at the beginning of Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And they quote Psalm 2 and those first two or three verses because that fit their situation exactly. That was what they were facing. That, that was what was happening. The Romans, the Sanhedrin, the religious authorities, it must have seemed to them that all around them the world was, was raging and plotting and threatening and shaking its fists at God. And society then, as society now, declares its independence from God and from God's laws and says, we don't have to listen to God. We can do as we wish. We can live as we wish. We can introduce whatever laws we want to. The world society shaking its fist at God. But do you remember how Psalm 2 continues? Luke just quotes the first few verses, um, but I'm sure they, they read the whole of the Psalm, or they at least alluded to the whole of the Psalm, because the very next verse in, in Psalm 2, after this, it says, The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. And then it says, He rebukes them and terrifies them and says, I have installed my king in Zion. Jesus. His kingdom. It's fixed. It's installed. It's fixed. It's permanent. It's not going anywhere. It's unshakable. And so as they hear these threats from the authorities, they pray for boldness, and, and then they kind of they, they root themselves in the object of their faith, in the one who cannot be shaken. And if we want to be people who are unshakable, we've got to ground our hearts in God in his kingdom, in his word. Listen to how the, the writer of Hebrews puts it. Um, at the end of Hebrews, 
Hebrews chapter 12 um, and verse 28, the writer says, Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. We are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's why we, 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 we sing our, our praises, that we declare the truths about it. That's why we, we gather um, in our churches uh, to pray, to worship as his people, reminding each other, reminding ourselves, reminding one another that these are the things that cannot be shaken. That he is sovereign, that he is almighty, that he is trustworthy. So the disciples, they they don't focus on their problems. They lift their eyes off themselves, off their own resources, off their own abilities, and they look to the one that they're trusting in. So they pray for boldness. They focus on the object of their faith. And then lastly, they, they become a community that's unshakable. Do you notice... Uh, as we move from verse 31 to verse 32, Luke, Luke directly links these, these disciples becoming courageous, praying for boldness, with an extraordinary generosity. An extraordinary generosity. As he talks about what life looked like in their community. And what he describes is just an extraordinary generosity. And if you think about it, you know, how can, how can the authorities threaten them anymore? How can they threaten to take away their possessions? They're already giving away their possessions to those around them. How can the authorities threaten their lives? They're already ready and willing uh, to give their lives for the gospel. And so in, in a real way, these Christians have become unthreatenable, if that's a word, unthreatenable, unshakable. There's nothing the authorities can do to threaten their world any longer. Verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They shared everything they had. Verse 34, there was no needy person among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money for the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. One, one speaker uh, called Tim Keller uh, says about this, says that, you know, normally we think that it's, it's selfishness that stops us from being generous with what we have. Um, but he says, no, actually, more often the reason we're not selfless about the things that we have, more often the reason is fear. Fear. It's not selfishness, it's actually fear. Because money is, is a security, isn't it? That, that's the way the world views it anyway. If you have a, a good bank balance, then you have protection, you have security. After all, you know, if, if I gave away all my money, well, what would I do if I, if I lost my job? What would I do if, if, if I became sick? Money is, is like security. 
And what stops us from being generous is just fear. Fear. Because it, it exposes what we're really trusting in. And whether or not we're actually trusting in God. And here what we see in these verses are, we, we, we see a people who are liberated from their fears. Liberated, given a new boldness, given a new courage, if you like. And the first way it manifests itself is, is a new generosity. I mean, there's, there's, there's no mention here of them, you know, working out, we're simply going to give 10%, we're going to give a tithe. No, they, they just saw the need and they met the need. Whatever it took, they met it. And their attitude was not, when it came to money, you know, how much do I have to give? How much does God say I have to give? No, they just said, how much is needed? How much is needed? And they gave generously. So they became a community that was unshakable. Not a community without problems. There were still problems in this community. I mean, you read on a few verses into chapter 5, and you've that whole story of Ananias and Sapphira, a story of, of hypocrisy, of two people who, who threatened to undermine the credibility of the early church. So not a church without problems, but still a church that, that was unshakable. If you continue in chapter 5, towards the end of chapter 5, the disciples are back in prison. Um, but in another sense, while the authorities have them in prison, the authorities are powerless and they're frustrated. And you can feel their frustration that, that there's nothing that they can do to these people. They deliberate in chapter 5 about what they're going to do and this guy Gamaliel stands up and he counsels them and he, he tells them just to, to leave them alone and wait and see if God is involved in this. And look at verse 40 at the end of chapter 5. It says, They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Completely unshakable. Unshakable. Can you imagine church life like that? Imagine as, as a community in Enniscorthy, in Wexford, in Gorey, that whatever life threw at you, whatever circumstances conspired against you, to be unshakable in that way, whatever might threaten your security or your peace or your health, to be unshakable, not because of you, but because your trust and your confidence are firmly rooted in the one who is unshakable. I don't know what it is you're, you're facing this morning. I don't know what it is that, that shakes you in the current climate. But you need to exercise faith. Pray for boldness. Root yourself in him. Rest in him who is unshakable. And allow him to do his work in you and then through you. Amen.